Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God takes your soul, you're on your own. The crow flies straight, the perfect line. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. And we apologize for being out last Wednesday night. Tried to make us the show on Thursday, but we couldn't. So we'll we'll jam it all in tonight. A big eventful show on, on tap for you tonight. College football over the weekend. A lo- little bit of shuffling up near the top ten. We'll discuss that. Some great NFL action in one game starting tonight. The Saints and Packers have must win for the New Orleans Saints at home. If they lose this one, it's about over for them. So we'll follow that game periodically throughout. And one big announcement that everybody should know that listens to this show, Tuesday night the College Football Playoff Committee will make its initial debut and list the, the top 25 teams according to them. And and tonight we'll do something that we'll give you what we think the final four they'll pick, and we'll give you the actual final four that we think. How about that? Or maybe we may even stretch it out to top five. We'll see about it. Last night, big upset, so-called upset, people think. LSU was only a three-point underdog at home. Beat Ole Miss. And, again, Hugh Freeze with a questionable play call towards the end of the game, instead of electing to kick a field goal to tie it, he lets his bipolar quarterback throw one to the end zone and gets picked off, ball game over. Bo Wallace storms out before the game's even over. A lot of injuries piling up for Ole Miss, and we'll see how the polls treated them after that loss in Baton Rouge. This is an Ole Miss offense that Trey and I, we, Trey, we, we've talked about Ole Miss during this show all season, we followed them. It seems like we believed a little more Mississippi State than Ole Miss, and last night Ole Miss showed their true colors. They lost an SEC West road game. What are your thoughts on this game? Well, I mean, just preliminary, you know, I thought Ole Miss would have the defense to win. I, I've been skeptical of Bo Wallace since before the season when people were hyping him as a Heisman uh, candidate, and I was very clear. I thought for you and everybody else, and you agreed. But this guy didn't deserve to be there, and, and we kind of saw that. I mean, you have a, an LSU defense that's kind of coming into its own that have been up and down all season long, and they really played really well against Bo Wallace. And uh, I still can't tell you that it's Bo Wallace being bad or LSU's defense good, uh, but I know it's a huge loss for Ole Miss and one that I'm not sure, uh, unless they run the table undefeated, uh, we'll see much of them anymore. Well, I'll tell you one thing that that we've talked about on this show is the second half of a season. You know, in order to be successful in the second half of a season, you have to be healthy. You have to have some depth. And Ole Miss last night, Robert Kendici uh, missed some time. His brother missed some time. They both play on the defensive line. An offensive lineman went out, banged up, missing a center. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the kid's name, their big hard-hitting safety left towards the end of the game. It looks like this SEC West trade, the injuries start piling up when you're playing physical teams every week. And it really doesn't matter what conference you play in. You play in six, seven weeks in a row, it it can easily jump up and bite you. And I think if Ole Miss is not careful with their remaining schedule, they play Auburn this week, 
They still actually play Arkansas. They play Mississippi State. If they're not careful, careful, they may drop two or three more games, and it's just because of the health. And, and I'm interested to see how Bo Wallace responds after after losing that game. What were your initial thoughts when you saw him run off the field before the game was over and never even walked across the field and shook the hands of LSU? Yeah, I thought the worst. Could you imagine if that was James Winston? I mean, you know, Twitter would crash. Uh, I mean, just <laughs> – no, the lack of sportsmanship in that was pretty. It was pretty. Uh, I think a pretty apparent that you know that they kind of just expected to go out and win, and that's the way they're going to be. Then that's fine. But you know that kind of gives you a little bit of idea. We've talked about you know how he's a very popular guy, sort of like Twitter. Unless you talk about partying in the weeks before games, you know Thursday night he's out partying. Uh, well, you know, I mean, if you see in some of the lack of preparation, I think in Bowell, Tarvin, to be honest. Well, Bo Wallace, my concerns is, you know, I don't know what you would guess the point spread would be next week. Uh, Ole Miss is at home, the night game against Auburn. What do you think the point spread is? Auburn three. No, Ole Miss is three. Hmm. At home, favored. And um, how is Bo Wallace, and that's what we'll get into Wednesday night more, Bo Wallace coming off a performance like that, Hugh Freeze threw him under the bus. You know, towards the end, at the end of the game, he said he called a short pass to get out of bounds to get closer. What do you think Bo Wallace saw to make him take a gamble like that, go against the play call, what the coach called, and throw it downfield? Is that going to cause some some problems in the locker room? If I'm an Ole Miss player, I'm not very happy right now. Well, I mean, it depends on how much Bo Wallace has that locker room. We've seen where adversity hits, and, it, and if, you know, the locker room isn't with that player, it breaks down pretty quick. I think we're seeing that in Chicago in the NFL, for instance. Uh, but other times you see it, and, and they rally around it because, you know, they believe in that player and they have the locker room. But I don't think Bo Wallace has the locker room, Tarvin. And I think with the lack of depth at Ole Miss, I, I just think we're seeing um, some problems that are going to keep going. Their defense has been very, very good, but they've also been very healthy. Uh, and I don't think they're going to be able to sustain uh, a couple of losses to the defense. I mean, other offense can't score. Uh, with the big, you know, the big offenses. So I, I think this is sort of some telltale troubles that, that Ole Miss has. Well, I think to to be successful in today's college football, you you look at the quarterback position. You look at Mississippi State. You have Prescott. You know, he's able to do it both with his legs and his arm. He owns that huddle. He owns the locker room. I think Florida State. You have Winston, Bama, Sims is playing great. Auburn. You have Marshall is capable of busting a game wide open, Oregon, Mariota. You look down that list and after that you don't you don't see those type of quarterbacks really unless you're looking at Baylor down a little bit. But is Ole Miss a team that you can put in that category now, today, on Sunday, of saying that you really think they have a legitimate shot of winning the SEC West representing uh, the SEC in the fourteen playoff? I, I I don't I I thought they were um, I thought they had a, a chance because of that defense maybe more so than Mississippi State uh, because Mississippi State's even more thin when it comes to injuries where I thought Ole Miss at least had some guys back behind there but you're seeing if Bo Wallace plays poorly they really don't have an offensive identity. Yeah, I totally agree, and that's and that's what I wanted to to really point out out there. If you're going to be a team in the 14 playoffs. You better have an elite quarterback. And when I say elite, I don't mean just the best in the game. You need quarterbacks 
that can come in there and actually lead their teams and do it both ways. Alabama, have you seen an offense that they've had better in a way than more explosive than what they have now? Well, they finally have a quarterback that can roll out of the pocket, throw it deep down the field, and it keeps defenses on their toes. And we'll break down all of these games in just a few minutes. The NFL action today, Trey, some games caught me by surprise, and I really want to start out and just talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers a little bit. Ben Roethlisberger, how old is he again? Is he 25? I mean, how how old is Ben? No, he's not 25. Uh, he's been in the league for quite a while. He's a, a wily veteran, as they say now. But, he, you know, he has two 500-yard passing games. It's, pretty, it's a pretty exclusive club. Yeah, I was very impressed with with him today, and, and I want to just throw that out there, but I want to go to a story real quick about Russell Wilson before we break down our NFL games, Trey, that all this stuff with, with Percy Harvin, you know, being let go, really, from Seattle. I don't know what your thoughts are and what your what your comments are with Russell Wilson. A lot of the, the players in the locker room, they're saying, are divided. They don't like Russell Wilson, really, as a quarterback. I guess they don't like a clean-cut well-spoken, smart quarterback. And and I don't know what you know about this story, but could you shed some light? And is this pro- part of the problem for Seattle right now? It, it does look like a team that's divided. They're not playing the same. They have three losses. They went on the road to Carolina today. But how could you not like Russell Wilson and you're on that Seattle Seahawks team? I think it's kind of a debate that you get amongst a lot of teams where some guys want the gunslingers even if he's a guy who's, you know, who's going to turn the ball over. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson's a guy who's generally pretty handy with the football, makes good decisions, runs when he has to. Uh, and actually, it, you know, the game changer uh, versus the game manager, if you will, uh, I think some guys are just in love with the guys who just fling it around. Uh, but, you know, Russell Wilson's a guy who I think a lot of folks would really love to have on their team. I, I don't see how he could be bad in a locker room. Maybe we're missing something, Tarvin. Uh, but I, I just don't see well, how people would be happy with him as quarterback. Well, some of the comments coming from the locker room, and, and I'll say this, and, and, and I'm saying this out of all due respect, that the locker room says that Russell Wilson's not black enough. And you take that for what you want to, but what do you take that to mean? Again, I, I don't really know what that means. Um I, I haven't had heard that part of the story, but I, I'd be real interested to see who's who's the one who's staying. At. I mean, because you know this is a team with, you know, I mean Richard Sherman's a you know a Stanford guy. I mean, it's not like these guys are, um, you know, not from education. A lot of these guys come from very good schools. So I don't know. That's a weird comment, man. Yeah. Well, my computer just crashed, so I'm going to be scrambling a little bit while we're doing this show right now. I don't know what you did, Trey. Did you send a virus to me or something? Um, oh, yeah. My whole entire uh, system shut down. that Nigerian money request, I, I would be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to reboot right now. But just looking at the NFL today, Trey, how can you even predict these games? You go through and look at some of these games. I never thought Pittsburgh would beat Indianapolis today. I never thought some of these things would happen. You you just see these upsets happening. You see these games getting closer and closer and hard to predict. I mean, have you noticed that this year has been a lot tougher to predict? And is it because there's really no dominant teams out there? Kind of like college football, isn't it? Uh, it's been a great season. I mean, you know, football. I, I, I actually almost pulled the trigger on the Steelers winning 
Uh, I think it's the one game I lost in our, our pick them for, for the NFL. And I, I came real close to picking the Steelers. I just had a good feeling about the way their offense was clicking. And one of those things, you know, the, the Colts are a good team, but they've been playing very lackluster competition. So, I mean, when I saw all what the, the Steelers were doing on offense, I mean, there's no way I thought they'd put up the numbers they did. I mean, let's be honest. But I thought they'd be successful enough to maybe win the game. I mean, that, but, man, doing what they did against this Colt defense that just shut up, shut somebody down, I was surprised. Yeah, and when they were down 21, I really thought that that they were going to come back and win. I, I remember saying that, that the Colts would come back and win, and they cut it to eight points, and I was like, yeah, I really like this now. But, you know, the Pittsburgh, what happened was when they got closer, they, they stepped it up and played harder. you got to respect Ben Roethlisberger and those guys for doing it. And the Atlanta Falcons today in London, 9.30 a.m. Eastern kickoff time, up 21 to nothing at halftime, Trey. 21 to nothing, and they let another one get away. I mean, what is what is wrong with the Atlanta Falcons? I mean, this team, I think, I don't know if they're poorly managed. I don't know if they don't have the right chemistry in the locker room, but they seem to have. Matt Ryan seems to be a decent quarterback, above average, probably a top 10, 12 quarterback, great receivers. What's wrong with the Atlanta Falcons? They just can't seem to get it together after a couple of years ago with that 13-win season they had. You know, they were 21 to nothing. I think when I started watching the football game, I forgot it was on. And I, man, I was like, man, I'm, I'm really surprised they're playing so well against this Lions team. And then it just started going downhill. Maybe I was the jinx for them watching the football game, Tarvin. But I was watching this game and just I mean, watching this assignments, watching the offensive line, Olay, defensive linemen. I mean, just watching Matt Ryan with terrible decisions. Uh, just, this seems to be a team effort in losing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just bad. I mean, this was a team, like I said, they won 13 games. I think it was 13 a couple of years ago. They got beat in the playoffs, and after that, they've they've never been the same. I mean, who would be a good fit at quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons right now? If you were getting Matt Ryan out of there, who would you think would, would come to Atlanta and be a good fit? Let's see if we're on the same page here. Well, I mean, they got offensive line issues they got to worry about first. Um, but if you're saying that you want to replace Matt Ryan, which I'm not so so sold on, there's somebody better out there. But I, I'm guessing you're going to say Cam Newton. Well, it is his hometown. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that he'd be better than Matt Ryan in the offense they currently have. I, they got they got to solve too many other issues. They don't have a running game, and they, they certainly don't have. Uh, Matthews is developing in line, but they need more linemen. Um, and they need, they need a solid running game. Yeah, they definitely need some offensive line help. That's that's a definite thing I would look at. But but if you if you do have a bad offensive line problem, you know, and if you couldn't correct it right off the bat, you you have some youth on it. You're trying to build up. You'd need a dual threat quarterback. And I don't I don't think Cam's going to. What I'm saying that is I don't think Cam's going to be in Carolina after this season. So I'm thinking he's going to the New York Giants. And Sonny Clark seems to think he's going to the New York Giants. But I think the Atlanta Falcons may be a, a place he may could end up. And it wouldn't surprise me if he left Carolina right now. Yeah, I don't know that I don't know that he'd do well in New York under that pressure. I mean he's the kind of guy who doesn't 
like a lot of criticism and sort of gets, you know, a little bit offended when, when they come down. I mean, New York comes down on on athletes like there's no tomorrow. I mean, they can be on a eight-game winning streak and lose one game and, you know, you're the worst quarterback in the world. So maybe, but it's possible. I mean, Eli is, is on his, I think, on the on his last leg there. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely on his way out. And the New York Jets today decide to bench Geno Smith, bring in Michael Vick, and and you look at the coaching problem, Rex Ryan. I I really thought this year he would actually turn the Jets around a little bit more, get them closer to the playoffs. But is Rex Ryan Trey on his last leg in New York, and and how long are they going to give him? I'm thinking he's going to be gone at the end of this season. Yeah, I thought that this was going to be his last season unless they made the playoffs. And you got you had a GM who didn't hire him as the football coach. I mean, the GM did bring in Geno Smith for what that's worth. I mean, but Geno Smith, you, you know, I didn't think he was a good decision last year playing. I don't think he was a good decision this year playing. I just don't think Geno Smith is an NFL-caliber quarterback. Um, he's not progressing the way I think you should as a second-year player. It seems to be getting worse. So I mean, they may have to restart this team from scratch. I really do. They may, I mean, they really, they really may have to build it down or build it back up from scratch. Well, another great game today. We we can look at the Philadelphia Eagles went on the road and and played the Arizona Cardinals. I thought the Eagles would win a game on the road today. I think they're the better team, and I thought they would go on the road and be able to win a game against Arizona. But Carson Palmer stepped up today. When it when the going got tough, Trey he made that huge pass at the end of the game and and won it for Arizona. I mean that sets up a huge game next week with Dallas and Arizona. Give us your thoughts on the Cardinals real quick. Well, I mean that was an incredible incredible game. I mean that was the kind of game that you know a lot of us expect and see in college football and just love. I mean I was I was watching that game trying to juggle the kids and dinner and just could not take my eyes off of it. What a great finish. I mean, even the last pass was catchable, uh, you know, hit out of bounds. I mean, just, just a really cool game to watch. If the NFL was like that, I think people who love college football would come to it because it was a classic finish. What I still wonder, though, Tarvin, is it's Chip Kelly, you know, what I don't I didn't like is they were early in the game, they were on the one-yard line or half-foot line, and they ran sort of a spread attack uh, and then sort of did a uh, – a draw to to Lashawn McCoy, and I was like, man, you're on the one yard line. Why don't why not go big? <laughs> let let McCoy jump over the you know over the top or, or bounce it out. I just you know some of the play calling to me just seems like he's still at Oregon, and I'm like, man, sometimes you got to go heavy in the NFL and just push people around. Yeah, definitely, and and you can't really go away from from what you do, Chip Kelly. And I've questioned that before. I look at some of these coaches and their decision making and the way they block, the way they, they play call, it's out of the shotgun. That's the way they do it, whether it's one yard or six inches or ten yards. If they're running, it's in that same formation. So I get it the way they don't want to go. Because if you go under center, it's it's a lot different when you're taking snaps from shotgun. And sometimes that messes up and the quarterback fumbles a snap. They're not used to it. The center's off. But I do have a problem with some of these soft, soft teams and Let's take a call real quick. My studio's up. Jonathan, you're on way in sports, buddy. How's everything going? Oh, man. I mean, the Bucks found another amazing way to lose today. I'll tell you that much. That was fantastic. Um, but I have to Go back and... with... <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to agree with you, though, I, I, with, with Trey. I don't understand 
what Chip Kelly was thinking. You know, you're from the half-yard line. I mean, I understand, you know, your quarter Foyle isn't used to taking snaps under center, but you're in the NFL. He's got to be used. He's got to at least know how to do it. I mean, you know, that's a given for a quarterback nowadays. He has to be able to take snaps under center, QB, snakes, things of that nature. So to not have faith in, you know, from what I saw, really their offensive line and generating a push or whatever it was, just didn't make any sense to me. But it was a phenomenal game. I mean, Philly's defensive coordinator, I think, just let loose on a tirade when John Brown got behind the defense and just went to the house. For that final score, that I mean, Cardinals. What what more can you say about a team? You're not impressed with them, but they keep winning. Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is is win. That's the name of the game, and it doesn't matter style points. Doesn't matter in the NFL. Hell, it doesn't even matter in college football anymore. You win and you survive and you move on. But the Trey Trey made a statement about about, you know, the NFL fans coming over to or the college fans coming over to the NFL, but, but that's a difference, Trey, in college and NFL is you can lose eight games in the pros and you still have a shot to win the Super Bowl. You lose more than one in college, you don't have a shot. And sometimes if you lose one you don't have a chance. So that I just want to throw that out there. And I think these NFL fans are kinda of laid back. You come to work, I'm in Atlanta, you come to work on Monday morning, if the Falcons lose, nobody cares. Nobody gives a crap because they know if they can win that crappy division, they're in the playoffs. But Georgia loses, man, it's the end of the world because they know it's about over with. But, Trey, anything in the NFL that you saw today really stood out to you you want to talk, touch on before we get into college? No, I, I just thought the Arizona game was pretty incredible. And the fact that the Arizona Cardinals are playing as well, I mean, they're, they're really going under the radar. And they really seem to be a pretty complete football team. So we'll have to see how far they get. Welcome to Jason and Sonya in the chat room. They're in there. We'll bring them on in a few minutes onto the show to when we start talking about our college football. I know Jason's excited about his Vikings today, but he's not excited about his Gophers as we'll break them down in a few minutes and get his take on what happens to the Minnesota Gophers. Could it be a chance? Could it be a case of looking ahead, maybe at that schedule? Because I don't think anybody trace all the Gophers losing to Illinois. But real quick before we go into college football. The World Series is on right now, and I know a lot of people don't watch it. They don't care about it, but it's 2-2, two to two, Trey. Last game in San Francisco here, game five. I mean, if San Francisco wins this game, do you think Kansas City can win two in a row, or do you think San Francisco is just too good? No, I, I think – I mean, they can. I mean, his Bumgarner is the guy. But, I mean, I just think that if Frisco wins this win, I mean, it's just too much. But if they can beat Bumgarner – uh, man, that's a that's a tough road for Frisco to have their ace go down. I mean, he's been so good in the postseason. Jonathan, I mean, I know you're probably not a Royals fan. You're probably pulling for the Giants, but isn't it fun to watch a team play baseball the way it was invented? It really is. And this Kansas City Royals team reminds me of the 08 Rays from the standpoint of they got there utilizing small ball, and they made their runs, and, at the end of the year is when they got hot and they just tore it up in the postseason. And unfortunately, you know, the Rays, 2008, we saw that end it. And that's why I think game five is so important because if the Giants win tonight, I don't know if Kansas City coming back home can muster everything and come back and win this. I mean, Kansas City really needed, I think, last night's game to ice the series. Uh, tonight's game would be huge, but – 
I mean, San Francisco, they're a resilient bunch. Just ask the St. Louis Cardinals. Ask the Cincinnati Reds and the Washington Nationals. They just keep coming back and chipping at you. I mean, they haven't really hit for any power. It's just they're hitting at the right time. Yeah, I like this Giants baseball team. Uh, pitching, the, the they play the game the way it should be played. I love their manager. And, and Trey, I love the home field. Do you know San Francisco? I mean, when they play in the playoffs, any kind of postseason, they don't lose. And the fact that Kansas City came in and, and stole game three from them, I mean, I was surprised by that, wasn't you? Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, you don't just know what to make when a team like Kansas City comes out there and, and – and, and sort of bowls through the American League uh, the way they did, which was you know, not even losing a, uh, a game, was surprising. And so you kind of wonder, when they go through that way, are they going to hit that slump in the World Series and, and, and have a problem? And they really haven't so far, and they've, they've played pretty well. So, I mean, maybe this is a Kansas City team of destiny, and who knows? We'll see. I think tonight is a make-or-break game for them because I mean, they're just – I mean, they're young, and this is – you know, they can beat the ace. Man, that's a lot of – a lot of uh, confidence. Yeah, top of three right now, San Francisco with a one to nothing lead and you're listening to Way In Sports Talk live on blogtalkradio.com. Trey, the college football committee is meeting Tuesday night and Jonathan, while we have you on real quick, give us not your final four right now, where you think it is. Tell us where you where you think the top four teams will be in the committee's eyes come Tuesday. Well the way the committee you know, I'm not entirely certain how they're going to look at this just from a standpoint of are they predicting at the end of the year or predicting now. If they're going to say the, the season ended on Saturday and here's what we're doing, then I think definitely you're going to have Mississippi State, Florida State, and Auburn in, in the in the top three. Um, I'm not entirely certain Alabama's going to be there. Uh, just from the standpoint, I know Ole Miss just lost. But Alabama's only loss is the Ole Miss. And part of the main criteria that that committee said they were going to utilize is strength of schedule and head-to-heads. Um, and that's something that you got to keep an eye on. I mean, Mississippi State, Auburn, and Florida State, I expect to be there. I think for the fourth team, I think a team that really, you know, you know, talk about flying under the radar, they dropped 82 points on Saturday and wasn't even really a headline. That's TCU. I think the committee might actually sneak them in there as a four team and say, look, you're looking at our, probably the best Big 12 team right now. I know they lost to Baylor, but that was one of those games. We're talking a team that right now looks dominant and is a team that is clearly has to be the front runner for the Big 12 championship game. I mean, they got a game next week at West Virginia that's tough. They host Kansas State the week after. So we'll find out what TCU is going to make. But I think TCU would be their fourth spot. Wow, interesting stuff. Trey, you you tell me who the committee, not your final four right now, but who the committee is going to have in there Tuesday night. Will anybody be surprised? Well, I think, that, I mean, there could be. I mean, this is just a preliminary top four. I mean, I think there could, there's going to be debate. Um, I'll, I'll put it that way. I, I, I think, um, let's say if they go Oregon over a third SEC team, I think there's going to be some talk. Uh, but I think right now with the one-loss teams, there's arguments all over the place for a lot of teams. And so where they go with this first one, you know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll know a little bit about them for sure. Well, give me the final four. What do what you think they're going to have? I think uh, – I'll I I I I I I come back to you. 
Uh, I'll go to mine real quick, but I think they're going to judge. And, and you can't go by – they can't go by conference championships right now because, you know, everybody's still playing. But I, I'm interested to see this first one because this is really going to tell how they're going to vote for the rest of the year. Now, Jonathan and Trey, Sonya and Jason, if you see them come out and they have Oregon up there, then you know it's because of the Michigan State game that they played and they're not and they're looking at your strength of schedule like Jonathan said. So in that fact, you look at Mississippi State, I'm gonna put them in. I think the committee looks at them. They beat LSU on the road, which obviously looks very good after last night. They beat Auburn and they beat Texas A and M when Texas A and M was before they started falling out of the pole when they were in the top five. So Mississippi State's in Florida State is a team. Are they going back and are they looking at the polls? Are they looking at what happened last year, Jonathan? Because if you look at what happened this year alone, just this year alone from the body of work, is Florida State a top four team? If this is all you had to if you were born, if you started watching college football at the end of August, would Florida State be a top four team in your mind, Jonathan? I would say just from the standpoint that they are undefeated. They're a Power 5 conference team. They did beat Oklahoma State at a neutral site. They did defeat Clemson without their starting quarterback. I mean, that's a very big win. doesn't matter what, te- what team you are. To play a team like Clemson is very tough defensively, as we've seen. Without your starting quarterback and win, that was a very good win. Um, and then to beat Notre Dame, I think Florida State has, you know, they have an argument to say they are a top-four team. Um, you know, you take away last year and the year before all that jargon, I think Florida State, you, you can't rule them out of the top four. Whether you put them in the top four is very debatable right now. But I think you do have to put them in the top four. All right, Jonathan, man, thank you for joining us. Trey, I, I still need your final four from the selection committee on Tuesday night. Well, from the selection committee, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't have any idea what they're going to do, but uh, did, I, did, I, did I hear you? You only have one SEC team in from them right now? No, I mean, I just started with Mississippi State, and then I was questioning. I think Florida State's going to be in there. But, but Trey, I'll ask you, being a Florida State fan, if you just started watching football this year, would Florida State be a top four team in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think that's easy. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, and Jonathan cited a lot of reasons. They have, they have Their resume is up there uh, in the top four at least. Uh, certainly better than any, the one-loss teams. Uh, but, you know, I, yeah, here's what I'm thinking, Tarvin. I think you're going to see two SEC teams. I think Bama will be four. Uh, this is just my prediction for them. It's not my own. I think uh, Mississippi State will be one, Florida State two. And I think they may have something crazy like Oregon three um, because they're really not sure of the one-loss teams. I think it will be something like that. But I, I see two SEC teams then to start off with, at least in their top four. And I think uh, Auburn won't be very far behind, but I think Alabama will probably be in the top four right now. Well, you look at Alabama and and who they've beaten, Trey. They have beaten Texas A&M, and they beat West Virginia in the neutral side. Why would you have Alabama, just curious, if you're a committee ahead of Auburn with a win over a top 11 team at Kansas State and then the LSU win, which is a ranked opponent, and they were ranked and they still are actually, why would you have Alabama over there? I think the committee is going to, you know, you say based on this year alone, I think they're going to make 
a lot of the West Virginia win, which I think Auburn win at Kansas State right now looks better. Um, certainly not my top four, Tarvin. But I think I just I just assume that's okay. what they're going to do, and um, you know my top four will be a little different. Okay. Well, there I think the committee is going to have Mississippi State and Florida State, and and that's what I'm wanting to see where they're going to put Florida State in this ranking, because I know they're undefeated, and that's going to help them the most to be up there, but. They are undefeated with Mississippi State. That's why I'm putting them up there. And I think Auburn will pull in um, the number four spot. And I think the committee is going to put Alabama in the number three spot. And I think the initial polls are going to have three SEC teams in it, which is going to send a loud message to everyone out there that there's probably going to be two SEC teams in it as long as they just don't lose two or three ball games. So, but the the way this season's winding up, it's looking in the SEC West. Everybody is going to have a loss probably, and maybe multiple multiple teams have two losses. Which I don't think a two loss SEC team will get a second team in. Now, if the two loss is the two loss team in the SEC is the champion, that would be the only way a two loss team gets in. So you have Auburn, Alabama, you have every team. Ole Miss now they're playing elimination games every week. They're in playoffs. So Georgia. Georgia's schedule is a lot weaker than the other ones. But my final four this week is, as I have Mississippi State, number one. And Florida State, to me, I mean, they're undefeated. That's why I put them at number two. But when I watch them play, I just don't think they're, they're an elite team like they were last year. They could get better. They could catch fire in the second half. They, they don't have to play every week. But, but you have to reward Auburn for going on the road when they lost, but they, they took care of business last night. They beat LSU. They went on the road at Kansas State. And that's one thing the committee said they want to see. They want to see tough out-of-conference schedules and going on the road to Kansas State on a Thursday night is tough. I hope we never have to go through that kind of game again. Florida State's about to have to go through that this Thursday night. But I can't I can't put Oregon ahead of Alabama. I mean, in my personal ranking, I can't put Michigan State ahead of Alabama. And I know Alabama, they haven't beaten a top-10 team. I mean, not many people have. And, or, or, you know, their resume, they beat A&M when they were ranked. They took care of business against Texas A&M 59 to nothing. They beat a, a good West Virginia team in a neutral side. But if, if you put Oregon, Michigan State against Alabama in a neutral side, that's how I'm looking at this. Who's going to win the football game? And I think it's it's Alabama. So I hope this committee comes in, and I'll, I'll ask Sonia right now. Sonia, I hope you're ready to talk. Your <laughs> your microphone is hot right now. But just just a question from you. I mean, is this committee? How could you put Oregon or Michigan State or any other one loss team TCU over Alabama right now? Okay. First of all, all of these debates are totally invalid. And let me explain to you why, because there is one key fact that people are totally forgetting. Really two. But the main one is the the, okay, Florida State won the last BCS national championship. They are not the defending national champions because there's nothing to defend anymore. This is a brand new ball game. The reason that the, the arguments as far as who's ranked and blah, blah, blah are invalid, no team is ranked right now. No team, everybody is level. It is a level playing. There's no power conferences. There's no this one-loss team is better than that one-loss team, blah, blah, blah. Everything is even and level. 
if you're going to do it that way, which is what they said they're going to do, what I expect to see, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with it, but what I expect to see is Mississippi State, Florida State, Marshall, and either Alabama-Auburn toss up for number four. Those are the three unbeatens. That's what Marshall. I mean. That's in, Marshall's unbeaten. Certainly, they don't play Think anybody. Think about it. You've got to get. You got to change your your mindset now. There's no just. Well, it's going to be a, a one loss. Bama is better than a unbeaten Marshall. Everything's supposed well, to be even. So, and you're asking how the city is thinking, but that's how they're going to think. No, I just have what I'm saying is, is don't be surprised if you see that. Well, Trey, I'll ask you. I mean, do you think Marshall is going to be in the Final Four, or, or because what I'm understanding, the committee is going by the the strength of your schedule, the eye test and everything like that. Have you seen Marshall play this year? I mean, if they were in the Final Four, I probably wouldn't watch college football again. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, the one, you'd watch college football. And, uh, but two, <laughs> no, they're not going to be in the Final Four. I have no I have no doubt that they're not going to be in the Final Four. Not not right now. I mean, maybe by the end of the year, maybe there's some crazy stuff happens, but not now. But, Sonia, I mean, I, I know the committee said, you know, they even play in field, but if you start putting Marshall up in the Final Four, everybody should should drop, drop out of the conference they're in and start playing cupcakes and, and go undefeated. Because in my mind, the committee's saying what I've interpreted, undefeated really doesn't doesn't mean anything really. I mean, it matters if you win your conference; that's the part of the weight. But the strength of schedule. And I'm going to pull up Marshall's schedule right quick while you're responding, Sonia, here, and just see who they played so far. Go ahead. All right. Now this is again. You got to change your mindset. What they're releasing Tuesday are their first rankings. It's not the final. It's not the who's going to be in the final four. Why are we even talking about who's going to be in the final four? They're going to release a series of rankings. If they release rankings tomorrow based on their criteria and it's based on who's unbeaten, guess what? Three teams are unbeaten: Florida State, Mississippi State, and Marshall. Okay. Now, if they take that away and say, okay. The second rankings, we're going to start looking at this, and then we're going to, you know, put more emphasis on on strength of schedule or whatever. The first rankings will be the benchmark, so everybody knows the way they set, you know, the way they're they're thinking, yeah. what they're looking at. It's got nothing to do with the Final Four, and that's where people are getting it mixed up. Everybody's sitting here, who are we going to put in the Final Four? I can't wait to see the rankings Tuesday, so I can see who's going to be in the Final Four. Idiot! That's that's the, just the first rankings. Nope, the final four. Yeah, is much yeah, but, yeah, but if they put Marshall in at number four or something, they're saying that from the body of work they've seen so far, that and because Marshall's undefeated, they're here. So you can't really drop Marshall way out of the picture if they don't lose after beating Miami of Ohio, Rhode Island, Ohio, Akron, Old Dominion, Middle Tennessee, FIU, yep. and Florida Atlantic. I mean, if they're in the top 20, of, the, of their ranking, I will, I'll give it no credibility whatsoever. And, and I know it's not the final projection, but if they if they put Marshall up at number three in their eyes right now, then this committee is 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 going to be a very bad thing for people. I don't think they are even in the top ten, son. I don't even think they're in the top twenty. All right, now what you just said, Tarvin? What is that? What you just what? said? What is that? Your opinion, right? No, I mean, I, I, I know college football, and I, I hope these exactly. idiots do, But too. what I'm telling you is 
don't think it's going to be one way or the other. We won't know any. All this guessing is doing nothing. And plus we're guessing off of a BCS mindset. We're not guessing off of, of, of a playoff, a college football playoff mindset because this is the first time we've had it. So I think all of this talk, let's just table everything until we see the rankings Tuesday, and then we can kind of compare and say, okay, yeah, it looks like they're, they're looking this way or they're putting more emphasis here or they're putting more emphasis there. Because right now well, well, it's it, anybody's ball game. We don't know. We have well, no it, idea. It is, it, is, it, is, it is sports talk radio, and it is what's on people's minds. So we're going to talk about yeah. things that – that are popular and what people want to talk about. But Marshall being in the top four. Now, if the committee does what I think they're going to do, they're going to have uh, one from every conference in there, you know, to, to be politically correct. And I think that's mm-hmm. where this committee is going to, going to really kill college football and the, the fans right. and the passion of the game. You're putting a bunch of idiots out here that have an agenda. And, and it's going to be Michigan State. It's going to be Oregon. It's going to be Florida State, Mississippi State. That that's probably what the committee will do. And it's because they're they're corrupt and they don't know anything about football. <laughs> well, see, that's I'm, I'm my point. Now you just said they're going to have a team from every conference. Okay, Marshall's at the top of their conference. So guess what? They they might be somewhere on that list. All I'm saying is it's okay to find. We can sit here and talk about it. We can guess because that's all sports talk is. That's all these analysts do, even these former players. Nobody knows who's going to be, you know, who's going to win or what's going to, who's going to do what. But it's fun to talk about. It's fun to speculate. My top four, to be honest, it's going to be Florida State, Mississippi State. Uh, let's see, who do I have at number three? Who was it? Uh, Auburn, Alabama. And then between five and six, Michigan State, Oregon, toss-up. Yeah, but that's my time. I mean, that's not even a question. But see, see, you watch football, you you analyze it, you understand it. Your final, your top four is about like mine, about like trades and everything. And this is the fun part of the debate. Yep. You take people that know football, and I trust y'all's opinion. I look at it, I want to know what it is, and then we're going to compare our mindset with this committee. It's going to be interesting. But trying to have Marshall, I'm done. I'm done. I'm telling <laughs> you, I'm sitting the show. I'm retiring. <laughs> no, no. I honestly think Marshall might slide in there, just to be honest. I don't think they're going to be in the top four to start off with. We'll see. But I think they're going to slide in there, you know, just as a representative is showing that the conference, the other smaller conferences don't have to worry about being overlooked. You know, almost like a, yeah, yeah, we got you. You know, (laughs) we know you guys are there. You know, here you go. So, but my final four are, are definitely those four top teams. I mean, what I saw this weekend, and, oh, and I'm not going to even lie, Ole Miss, all of you bandwagon fans, I have a message for each and every one of you. <laughs> and this is all the Ole Miss fans who have, who were fans before the name Manning appeared, whether it be Archie or Eli, not the ones who just showed up two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, all right? The most classless thing that you could ever, ever do to any person but especially someone who lost their mother, is to get together as a group and sing Death to Me or Death to You, some sort of death song. And that was a taunt at Les Miles who just, you know, lost his mother the night before. So to see that, I have lost all respect, even even the, the behavior of Bo and the coaches after the game. We said up front, you guys just, this is not real. 
Okay, this Mississippi is a fluke. They're going to live on that Alabama win for the next 50 years. But that was totally, totally classless, and it was totally uncalled for. I am just disgusted by that. Yeah, Trey, I don't know if you got to hear what Tanya just said last night. Did you Did you read anything and hear anything about these Ole Miss fans talking about, you know, singing this song about Les Miles' mom passing away? I mean, that's that's classless. Oh, yeah, I mean, it totally is. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, look, we, we have rivalries. We want to win football games. But when you start crossing over that line of, you know, bringing people's family into it, talking about their moms, their wives, their children, and, and doing that, that's that's terrible. And that's just something I couldn't see a team that's that's used to winning, Sonia, ever acting like. If, if that happened with Auburn, Florida State, Alabama, teams like that, I would be I would be shocked. But I'm not very shocked that this happened, really. I'm not either. Well, you, you see how the way, you see the way they reacted once they lost to Bama, or oh, once they beat Bama, I'm sorry, um, tearing the goalposts down, <clears throat> which I think ended up costing the school, was it 45000 or 75000 or something like that? Um, they've got to pay, pay money for that. The total brand-new, you know, group of, of Ole Miss Reb fans and all the sports groups who were never there before, um, it just it really shows you why there are fans of teams in other conferences who look down on fans of SEC teams. Because these are, the behavior that I saw last night – the behavior that I've seen from Mississippi, Mississippi State fans, you know, a lot of the lower-tier team fans who are mid-tier who are, are rising up a little bit, it totally makes me understand the dislike. You know, I'm not saying I condone it, but I understand it because I feel the same way. You're, you're free to root. You can root for whatever team you want to. You're free to do that. But if you're going to win with class, lose with class. Yeah, that's that's right. You know, LSU is some of the rudest fans in the world. They they're rowdy, they're nasty, but they would never do that to somebody. No. If Hugh Freeze's mom died the night before, <laughs> the LSU fans would would probably clap for him, give him an ovation. But you know what? If if um, if Bo Wallace's girlfriend broke up with him, I guarantee you'd be he'd be getting harassed the entire night. They'd be yelling that. That's okay. You know, that's yeah. not laughing at someone's death but we we've got just a few minutes left guys the first two games we're going to talk about involve Sonia with Alabama and Jason with Minnesota so is Jason around real quick he's right here What's up, Tarvin? Jason our first game tonight buddy Minnesota took their six and one record on the road went to Illinois and and anytime you get in these conference games you go on the road I don't care what conference it is you have to be on upset alert and and what happened with the Gophers yesterday? I picked them. They lost. And I wasn't as upset as you were being a fan, but I was upset at, at Minnesota because I really had high expectations for this game. Uh, I mean, it boiled down to quarterback play. You see glimpses, you know, and, yes, you know, he's a sophomore, so you have those games of turnovers, and he just we, he wasn't there that day. Cobb ran for his yards. I mean, we ran the ball against Illinois. Um, so, yeah. It is so, what where does is. Minnesota go from here, Jason? I mean, how do they 
how do they bounce back and get ready? Don't, I mean, I think they play – don't they play Ohio State and Nebraska in the next couple of weeks? Well, next week we play Iowa. So we're going to get our pick back. But, <clears throat> yeah, then we got our gauntlet. Then we got Michigan State. We got um, Ohio State and Nebraska. Okay, well, the Gophers better get it in gear because I, I think they can win a couple of those games that you just mentioned, especially the one starting, uh, you know, coming up this weekend. But where do you see Jerry Kill going after this season? you think he's going to bring in a good recruiting class to, to build on what's happening right now in Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, he, he'll he continue. He's always recruited in, in, in the South, so um... – we're just not picking up the four stars. We're picking up the three stars, and we turn them into four stars. Um, so he'll continue to recruit well. And, you know, what's good about our team is we're young, um, very, very young. Um, and, you know, notoriety. I mean, people see success. So it's all good for here. So, you know, I wasn't upset that well, we lost. It's just a game. Yeah, but but if you we told you before the season you were six and two after eight weeks of playing, I don't believe Minnesota's had a bye week yet. So Jason, not having a bye week, how does that factor in? I mean, it's it's tough. You get to this part of the season, a little ding, the injuries can can hit you, and just being mentally exhausted. I mean, it's I thought Minnesota had a bye week this week, so I apologize for that. But we'll be keeping up with the Gophers. But Sonia, the next game, the Bama. The Alabama Crimson Tide went to Tennessee. They jumped out early, and then they just kind of sputtered around all night. Give us your thoughts about that game. <laughs> it was an interesting game. Um, I was more impressed with um, Tennessee's uh, quarterback, Dobbs. Mm-hmm. The way he showed up. I was proud of Bama. Cooper, Coop just, oh, my God. <laughs> I love me some Coop. He showed out last night. Uh, there was a couple of things, you know. Bama's got a tweak, but I'm I'm proud of the way that I've I've seen them play the last two weeks. The big test will come against LSU, um, with a rejuvenated LSU, especially now having something to play for with with uh, the passing of Les Miles' mom. So it's you just got you can never underestimate a team that's got something personal, you know, that, that's yeah. playing for something personal. So we've got LSU, Mississippi State. That's two back-to-back games. I just pray we keep it keep it together. Well, I mean, it looks like Alabama's starting to have some fun now. But you talk about Cooper. I mean, if he's not number one in your Heisman list right now, then then something's wrong. And I know he's not up. Alabama's not undefeated. He can't help all that. But man, this this receiver Trey Amari Cooper. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping he's in your at least top three, right, Trey? Sorry, I was on mute. I was on mute there. Yeah, I mean, he's in he's in my top five. I mean, I, I don't have him ranked yet. It's just too soon for that. But he's kind of in the watch list to get an invite right now, and he's, he's certainly in consideration because he's been so dominant. It's just really hard for a receiver to be there. I mean, you know, you, you look through all the dominant receivers that have come through, not not a lot of them get an invite, and so this could be the year because there's not a lot of going on with the with the quarterback situation and some of the you know play. <laughs> But Tarvin, it's just really hard for them to get there. But he's definitely right now, I think, getting an invite. Well, Sonia and Jason, thanks for joining us right quick. We're going to speed through these games real quick. Uh, the wife is, is needing me to do something. 
in the next few minutes, and it's not what y'all think. It's not what you think. It's not bad, but we have something we have to get done. But Jason, Sonia, thanks. Sonia, thanks for bringing the insight into the selection committee coming up Tuesday as well. I enjoyed that. And Trey, Alabama, were you impressed with them last night, well, or did you get to watch a lot of it? I watched some of it. It's one of those games that I caught here and there. I was flipping back and forth. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think it's a rivalry, so things happen. I think Alabama did not play their best game. Uh, but they still, you know, they, I think they did what they had to. And at this point, you know, they're along with other teams. It's, it's win and you get in. And you know, Alabama is in that situation. Um, you know, I, I'll say this, and I think it applies to Florida State as well as Alabama and Auburn and Mississippi and Mississippi State. Um, they're all teams that just we talk about this time and time again. It's win and you get in because they're that that good and, and overall. And it, so I, I think they're in there. I mean, Alabama just keeps winning. I think that things are going to fall into place for them. Yep, and and they probably will keep winning. Honestly, I mean, teams loaded. I I don't think they'll have much problems getting through LSU. I really don't, unless LSU improves drastically on offense. Mississippi State's coming to the Tuscaloosa. And then you have that Iron Bowl in Tuscaloosa, which is huge being in Tuscaloosa. So we'll continue to follow the Crimson Tide around. They're getting better every week, especially since that Arkansas game. And I think they're finally starting to gel together. So we'll see what the committee thinks, if they think as highly of them as we do. But but we'll see. The next game, not much to talk about. Michigan State, Michigan trade. Michigan State took care of business. Michigan's in the news for, I think, driving a stake into the ground in Michigan State's field. I mean, Brady Hoke at it again, Trey. Another example of why he's about to get fired. Well, I, I, I'm going to not so fast you on the Brady Hoke part of that because actually he came out and apologized after the game and said, you know, he had nothing to do with it and he thought it was classless. And he didn't even say um, that, you know, Michigan State, the last touchdown that he thought was inappropriate. He basically said, hey, we, you know, we got to make sure we don't do things like that. That's pretty classy to me. Uh, he's still going to get fired, Carbon. No, no doubt about that. Uh, but the, but the mistake was not his fault, and I actually thought his, his response was very, very classy and well done. So, kudos on Brady Hoke for that. It's unfortunate that you didn't win more games in Michigan, but he's still going to be gone, Carbon. No doubt about it. And uh, by the way, Carvin, yeah. getting real close to my prediction, my, I predicted that he would, they would be out by Halloween. So. My kids trick or treating on Friday, Tarvin. We'll see if Brady Hoka has a job. <laughs> the next game, Ohio State went on the road to Penn State, and, and I have to admit, this Penn State team is is not a good football team. They took Ohio State to overtime, but anytime you go on the road in conference play, Trey, things can sneak up on you. I mean, are were you more impressed with Penn State being able to put this game in overtime, or were you, were you more unimpressed with Ohio State? Because a lot of people have them going, possibly sneaking into that playoff. I just don't see it. Well, a lot of people do drugs, Tarvin. And that, uh, I mean, so, <laughs> I mean, if you watch Ohio State, and, you know, I heard a lot of college analysts talk about this on ESPN about how Ohio State is you can't you can't discount them. They're they're so good, and you know that just they just had a loss early in the year, and you know. JT Barrett is this guy is now a Heisman, right? He's going to win the Heisman as a backup quarterback. And then, oh my God, what is Ohio State going to do next year with two Heisman candidates? Oh my God! Look, here's the deal, Tarvin. If Ohio State wants to be part of this, and they want us to make us understand they're good, they got to go out and play somebody. They got to get better at that because I have no way to evaluate them, Tarvin. I can't evaluate them. 
I see him play against Penn State, and I watch the football game with my dad, and we're, we're both sitting there going, man, this team isn't very good. How, how is Penn State losing this football game? Uh, and then it goes into overtime, and then they blow it. But, I mean, Ohio State has shown me nothing to say that they deserve to be part of the Final Four. They have no quality wins. And, in fact, I, mean, I can't even point to the teams that they're beating as really that good. I mean, so Ohio State, Tarvin, get them out of here in my book. Yeah, get them out of here. I mean, like you said, their their claim to fame was they lost to a very good Virginia Tech team. And this Virginia Tech team has done nothing but suck ever since that game. Who did Virginia Tech lose to yesterday bad at home? Who was that that beat them? Oh, top of my head, I can't remember yet. Virginia Tech is is a is a car wreck right now, and and you know the Frank Beamer is being called for his job. I mean, so. <laughs> they're not good either, Tarvin, and, and they're a decent team. And I'm not saying that Virginia Tech is terrible. I'm just saying that you don't lose to a team like Virginia Tech if you are a powerhouse like Ohio State said they are. And it's not at home. Maybe on the road or on a Thursday night game, that kind of stuff happens. But at home on a Saturday well, afternoon? Well, I don't think if you're a playoff team, Trey, that you lose to unranked teams, period. I'm sorry. If if you lose, especially at home, if you're at home, just like Auburn almost lost last night. I mean, they were very close. If you lose at home to an unranked team, you should never be in a playoff. I don't care what the circumstances are unless your whole team got caught, you know, had the flu and they didn't play and then you lost and maybe you're good after that. But Ohio State has beat nothing they beat nobody but the sisters of the poor all season long, and they're claiming they're back. This bear kid's back. He's bringing them, you know, through to the playoff, and I just don't get it. I mean, you beat Rutgers, Maryland, Kent State, uh, teams like that. You don't you don't play ranked opponents, and you're going to play Michigan State on the road, and you're going to get your teeth kicked in because you're not used to playing teams as physical. Look at Michigan State. They went on the road. They played Oregon, they lost, but my God, I have a lot more respect for them for what for that loss than I do of any of Ohio State's wins. So Ohio State, way in sports, we put you at the back of the list. You're at the back of the bus right now. You cannot compete with the big boys. And we'll move on right quick. Oregon, Trey, Friday night, went on the road to California. They gave up a lot of points, but they scored a lot of points. Kurt Herbstreet says Oregon's the best one loss team. Some people agree, some people don't. I don't agree yet. They're going to have to do more. And even beating Stanford this weekend is not going to prove it. Give us your thoughts on this game. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Mariota is playing himself as a premier uh, Heisman candidate. He's been outstanding. His first interception was in this game of the season. But, I mean, I don't know if they're the best, Tarvin. I have them in my final four because I'm, I'm impressed by the offense. Uh, we don't know who's the best one loss. Uh, some of that's true, what Sonia said in that regard. We're going to figure a lot out in November. Uh, so, I mean, a Friday night win is a big win on the road, Tarvin. It's a trap type of scenario in the Pac-12. Love the way Oregon's offense is playing now. Their defense still needs work, but there's still a lot of time left to get it there. So, to me, Tarvin, Oregon is a top-four team right now, uh, but that could change next week. Well, they lost to an unranked team at home. I mean, to me, that that puts them at the back of the one-loss list until I start. You know, Alabama's loss on the road against the number seven team at the time is a close game that they lost control of. I can't drop Bama far. You know, but Oregon loses. You're a 28-point favorite and you lose. I mean, that's 
that's just to me. That's just there's some there's some problems there when I look at that, but that's just my opinion. The next game, West Virginia team trade, they're ranked right now six and two. Went on the road to Stillwater, a team that you're you're holding up right now, saying that Florida State beat them. West Virginia waxed them, and uh, West Virginia is a hot team right now. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State is a different team without J.W. Walsh, their starting quarterback. I mean, they're a team who's not deep enough to lose their their premier player. Um, They're a quality football team. Uh, They're certainly not the football team they were with Walsh. And then here's the thing. uh, Trinket is is showing (laughs) that he's showing a pretty good – pretty good quarterbacking ability. I mean, the guy, he, he may play him himself into getting drafted, Tarvin. Uh, yet another, this guy was backing up Jameis Winston a couple of years ago. He, he looks real good, man. Real good. Yeah. I mean, he's good. And I think um, West Virginia, I believe, they play TCU this weekend. TCU looks very good. I mean, we, we didn't talk about them much. They put up 82 points. But before we get into the next game, Trey, what do you think about teams like TCU running up the score? You know, they have no conference championship game whatsoever. They're running up the score on these teams. Texas Tech's not a very good team. Arkansas went into their place and beat them by 21. So the fact that Baylor, or excuse me, TCU beat them like this, I'm still not impressed when you put up 82 points. That's just not something that impresses me. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Tarvin. I don't know if you watched the end of the game, but their starters were out in the third quarter. And they were still scoring. So, I mean, uh, their quarterback is going to be, if he keeps playing Boykin or, or whatever his name is, is going to be a name that He's I remember. Good. And they're, 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 they're looking good, Darvin. TCU is looking good. they got a long way to go before, obviously, I didn't have them in my uh, top four or my you know two who are out. But they're, I'm watching them, Darvin, because if they run the Big 12 and they have one loss, I mean, depending on how some other things shake out, they could be the one team out of the Big 12 um, to come out. Maybe. I mean, right now it's them and Baylor, I think, have the only shots in the Big 12. Uh, and right now they're on the outside looking in. They need, help. They need a lot of help. And that's, that's all I can say. Yeah, you, you said something good there. Like Kansas State right now, they're undefeated. But I think it's a two-team race. I think it's Baylor or TCU. I don't think Kansas State's good enough uh, to win that conference. Do you? No, I mean, I don't. I could be wrong. I just look at this as it, for the best shot to make the playoff. And maybe you could, because Kansas State, with their only loss would be to Auburn. I, I don't know. Maybe that is. Uh, but I didn't look at Baylor because of, you know, brand recognition, if you will. Baylor's been there. Uh, they have a great offense. Uh, and I think TCU, with what Boykin and those guys are doing, I think they've got a lot of people's attention. Yeah. Um, but Kansas State has a shot, too. I'm not saying they don't. But I just look at the, the best shots as being those two teams. Well, I remember a few weeks ago you came on here and, and put Auburn down, you put Kansas State down, said Kansas State sucked, and, 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 and keep saying that, Trey, because they've been listening to you, man. They've been playing well ever since you ever since you put them down like that. But I just don't I just don't see that firepower they have like a TCU or a Baylor has. And TCU's an inch away from being undefeated right now. They they blew a huge lead on the road against a, a Baylor team that I still don't think is that good. I think Baylor's slow overrated, and I think that loss to me – Kind of hurt them in my eyes, but we'll see how TCU does. There's still a lot of football left to be played. The next game, the the track meet, you had Steve Spurrier going on the road with nothing to lose against Auburn coming off a bye week. Um, 
Steve Spurrier, I don't know how much you watched of that game, Trey, but he threw the kitchen sink at Auburn. He never punted the football. He went for it every time on fourth down and got it every time, got an onside kick. He came to win last night, and I don't know what your thoughts are, but, I mean, imagine if, if, if Auburn played that way. If they never punted or tried to and went for it every time, how dangerous could a team be if they never tried to punt? Well, I, I don't know if it's the old punt. I mean, it's not dangerous. I mean, it can be pretty dangerous the other way. I mean, I think Carolina <laughs> played one of their better games of the year. Uh, Auburn's got a lot of ways to go for the defense. I mean, I have them all the way up to number three. I, I just have a lot of belief in this team, Auburn. Um, but I did not like what I, I saw. I mean, the offense looked fine. I expected what the offense did. I just was not impressed with Auburn's defense against against South Carolina. Dylan Thompson is a terrible quarterback who throws – uh, Chad Pennington style, and I just saw guys getting beat. Uh, I, I want to see Auburn get better. I really do. But I still have them up at three, Carver. I think they're a good football team, and I think they're getting better. But the defense has got to come a long way before, um, you know, they need to come a long way. I'll say that. Well, well I'll put it this way. In, in playing football, when you when you look at it, you're programmed as a defense. You get them off the field after third down. They punt it on fourth. They kick a field goal. Whatever they do. But when you consistently go for it on fourth down, it, I think it got into Auburn's head a little bit. And I think they got frustrated. They they tried to press too much. And, and one thing they have to do better is get pressure on the quarterbacks. It's something they haven't been able to do with Carl Lawson being out uh, for the season so far. He hasn't played. And losing D Ford, you just don't lose elite pass rushers and replace them. And they're trying to generate pressure, and they're putting man-to-man on the corners. They're, they're leaving them on an island, Trey. And you're right. They have to get better because the only way they're going to be able to win these games is by playing man-to-man. They're going to have to generate blitzes, generate pressure from different places. And, and I think they got frustrated. I think the secondary has improved a lot for Auburn. That one game was the, the only time I've seen them get torched, and I think, you know, I don't care what you say. When you look at teams and you're favored 20 points and you're looking ahead of the gauntlet with three top ten teams on the road, sometimes you're just not focused mentally there for those games. The bottom line is Auburn won. They got back to running the football like last year. They they put up 400 yards on the ground. Nick Marshall threw one incompletion, I believe. But the offense looked looked very, very good. And And I know I talked to you, Trey, about it. Some of the penalty calls in that game were just blowing my mind. And after we hung up the phone today, a writer for Fox Sports came out with an article talking about how corrupt and how terrible the SEC officials are in whole and that somebody else is calling the – telling these officials what to call from upstairs or something. They're just in their ear a lot. Have you noticed a drop-off in the officiating in the SEC? You would think – a conference that had great players, great teams, would have better officials. These are the worst officials in college football. It makes the Big 12 officials look bad or look great. Hey, I think that, I think there's a lot of officiating that is going really bad. I mean, at the Pac-12 is pretty bad too. I mean, the SEC does seem to be bad. I mean, it's it's terrible. I mean, you 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 can't interfere. And I'm going to rant for a second. You can't interfere with somebody if they're out of bounds. If if someone's out of bounds, a receiver, first of all, they're ineligible to make a play on the ball because they weren't forced out. They went out on their own. Second of all, the ball's 10 yards over their head, and they throw a flag. 
15 yards on fourth down, put the ball down there for him to score. Well, and then the officials right here in front of holding calls, you see, they're they're missing the easy ones and they're making up calls that they shouldn't even be calling. As an official, you're taught. I'm taught. You don't you don't call something unless you see it, unless you know it. Basketball, baseball, football, whatever sport it is, unless you can see it and identify it, it's it's nothing. And these officials are making up calls. And we have a call from the seven seven zero area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? Tino. Hey, Tino. What's up, buddy? What's going on, guys? How are y'all doing? How's it going, Trey? Uh, he's good. He's on mute right now. We're, we've got about five minutes left in the show. What do you want to discuss, Tino? Man, whatever. I mean, the officiating, man, I think that you're right, but I think that you're you're also, as a whole, I don't think it's just the SEC. I think that the calls are coming from above for the Big 12, the Big 10. I mean, officiating around the board is terrible this year. I think that they got more calls coming in from above. The whole, you know, for whatever reasons, I don't know. And I think it's affecting the officiating on the field. I think that they're they're scared and nervous because they're having to do what they're told to do and it's just not working out how how they plan for it to work out. Well, Tino, and, 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 and look, we won last night. So I'm not going to come over here and make excuses, but the officiating last night in the Auburn game was, was, was terrible. I mean, I've never seen so many bad calls in my life, and I'm sure Auburn made some mistakes that they didn't call too. And when you watch a game, you watch it as a fan sometimes, and you watch it. But yeah. some of these calls have to be dealt with. These officials have to be held accountable. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree 110%. I'm actually watching the game right now. Um, I didn't get to watch the first half of the game. My son almost had an asthma attack at the game, so we had to go to the ER. But he's okay now. But uh, he lost Good. his inhaler. But but with the game, and I'm watching the game now, I've, I mean, I'm listening to the the announcers, and they're talking about how bad the calls are in the game. I mean, you know, you got Josh Hosley got horse collar tackled on a play that where he got blocked from somebody. You've got several missed calls, and at the end of the game, with all due respect, there's two number ones on the defensive end of the ball. The rules state that it should have been a five-yard mark off and a replay of the down. I mean, South Carolina should have got another shot at the end of the game. Um, mm-hmm. There was a no call. Did we deserve that no call? I mean, in my book, yes, because of all the no calls before that. But man, the officiating in that game was was absurd, man. I it was terrible. I mean, it was it was it was terrible, man. Uh, Gabe's got a knot on his leg, man, where he got kicked by one of the players when he was on the ground. You know, and I ain't saying that you know it was wrong or right, you know, but I seen my Travis Adams get tackled from behind. It was just a bad officiating game, and at the same time, they let them play some, but I think it did get out of hand a little bit. Well, Tino, I mean, how concerned are you with Auburn's defense after last night's performance? I think it's a, a, a fact that they, they got frustrated being, you know, they felt disrespected, they felt aggravated, frustrated, they kept going for it on fourth down. How concerned are you, number one, and number two, What's Auburn going to do? have to do to get some pressure, for God's sake? I mean, we, we can't win on the road Saturday unless we get some pressure. At the end of the day, if you're a true football fan, you you understand what's going on with Auburn right now. They're blocking down on us. They're, they're scheme blocking against our defensive line. 
they're isolating our defensive ends. They're putting them on islands. They were taking the defensive ends away from the chip blocks and running straight at the defensive end. The halfback draws were set up plays to contain the defensive tackles in the middle, so they could run and throw that and throw that that screen pass and that toss right to get outside those defensive ends. They were going at our defensive ends the whole game, and there's nothing we can do about it because we're hurting at that position. Um, Kansas State, with all due respect, Bill Snyder, one of the greatest coaches ever. He's the one that, that set the diagram up for the play calling against Auburn. He did that against us. He's a great coach, and now everybody's stealing the page out of his book, How to Beat Auburn. At the end of the day, we're hurting very bad at the defensive end position. And people said our secondary sucks. That's false. That's a false statement. That quarterback yep. had all the time in the world to sit back there and pass the ball. I mean, Trey could have went back there and threw for 340 yards against Auburn because you can't leave a defensive back <laughs> on an island for 15 for 15 seconds, man. Thank That's ridiculous. you. Thank yep. you. I appreciate you saying that because these corners have improved. Auburn's secondary is probably the most improved thing on the team, and they, they got hung out to dry last night. These – these defensive linemen, these ends, are going to have to, to grab down there and see if they still got a pair, and they need to get some pressure, for God's sake. I'm tired of this not getting pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, and we're getting pressure up the middle. and But they're also double-teaming our defensive tackles and scheme blocking on the tackles. They're isolating the defensive ends. We have to get defensive end pressure. I mean, I don't know if we need to pull a, a second or third string linebacker in, bring them into the end position, because Carl Lawson's looking good. But I, I mean, from what I'm told yesterday, he's not coming back. So at the end of the day, we got to get pressure from the end position. The kids don't know the playbook yet. Kids are still young. We got to have somebody play defensive end. You know, what I mean, that's our problem right now is the defensive end position. But that, that one position Auburn, is affecting our whole know. team. But, you know, I was very impressed seeing the running game get back to normal last night from last year. That was the best that running game and the offense has looked since last year. And and I think the offense has it. The defense finds a way to generate pressure, Tino. I don't think you can stop this team right now. And, you know, what I tell everybody, 2010, we were in very similar games to what we're in now. Our defense is not the greatest, but we're a good defense. But we're, we're hurt, we're bending, but we're not breaking. Same thing in 2010. Our, Auburn's got to outscore their opponent. That's all it is to it. Our defense has got to hold them when they need, like they're doing. And we're gonna we're gonna try to outscore whoever you put in front of us. And at the end of the day, that that's that's the philosophy they got, and that's what they're going with. Our running game did get going. I'm tired of hearing the controversy about Rock Thomas should start or do this. Do this. We're, we're a one-loss Auburn team. Nobody needs to change a position. We just need to improve in some areas. But, I mean, we're doing fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with our team. At the end of the day, we have to get better on the defensive end position, which will make everybody else better. Well, Tino, I need to ask you one more question real quick before you go here. Did you – you talked to Gabe probably and everything. Was the defense frustrated last night that Spurrier kept going for it on fourth down? Because more time, most of the times coaches punt in that situation. Auburn wins the game by four or five touchdowns if Spurrier punts on, on, on possessions that he should have punted. But they just looked like we were on tilt a little bit. No, he said that they were playing to win the game. They came into that game to win. They had nothing to lose. Casanova Kenzie was pissed because – he said he felt disrespected. You know, when I talked to him after the game, he said he was disrespected. Trayvon Reed said that, you know, that they were trying to prove a point. They wanted to beat Auburn. That's all they wanted. They wanted to beat Auburn. 
um, the frustration on our on, on from the players is coming from the media more so than 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 the game. They're tired. Of everybody saying that their defense is not doing their job. They've only we've only lost one game. It, it, at the end of the day, them going for fourth down didn't really matter. And I heard your comment earlier about if Auburn went for going for fourth down can, can cripple you at times too. I mean, you know, sometimes yeah. it, when it works, it works. When it doesn't, man, you're 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 a deer in the headlights. So, you know, with all, with all that being said, he said that they were they felt disrespected. They wasn't they were shocked. He said, were they mad? No, nah, he said, really and truly, they were like, what the hell's going on? He said they got ready to yeah, run exactly. off the field, and they had to go back that, on the field. Like, what the hell? That's a, that's exactly right. They were on tilt. They were shocked. They and, and and you know, as a defensive player, your mindset is you get them off the field in three days. No, he said they and, ran off the field. You, they were getting ready to run off yeah. the field the first time they did it. And, then they, and they got sent back out there. And that's how they got caught out of position when they ran that play and, they got you know, they got the first down. Yeah. Well, Tino, buddy, thanks for the call. Um, great call, by the way. We're going to take another quick call before we go. Corey Johnson, you're on way in sports. How you doing, buddy? Hey, good. How you doing, Brian? Oh, doing good. We're about to wrap up here in the next ten minutes. Um, tell us your thoughts real quick on the Auburn game since we're on it. Uh, yeah, you guys were talking about Auburn secondary. I was just wondering if you had kind of noticed this, what I'm uh, taking away from it, that apparently yeah, Auburn secondary is getting kind of an unfair reputation for not being good. And based on that, it seems like they get called for at least one just flat-out bogus defensive pass interference in every game, like usually on a third and long. So, uh and, I mean, I'm not being a, a crybaby homer. It, it has not ultimately affected the outcome of any game this season. I was just wondering if you had, if you feel the same way. I mean, it seems to me like it happens at least once every game. And you look at the replay, and it's nowhere even close to pass interference. And, I mean, if, yeah, if you I mean, think that, do you think that's maybe based on this bad reputation they've gotten? I think it's honestly just based on the the crappy officials trying to for whatever agenda they have. And look, I, I mean, I know it's hard to say this, you know, you support a team, but I I'll call poor officiating out no matter who it is. I don't care if it's if it's a get if it's benefiting my team. I'm gonna say, you know, hey, that was some bad calls. We were fortunate it happens, but the last couple of games, especially for some reason, our defense has been picked apart by officials where we can't even cover anybody without getting a flag on them. And that's the complaint with Ellis Johnson. But what you do if you got smiles on, screw the fine, screw the kiss the brass ring of the SEC officials, screw that. You come out on the media and you blast the hell out of these guys by names. That's what you do. You you call them all out, these officials, and you, you, you tell them how bad they suck. And if you get charged, if you get fined 25000 I'll help pay the crap. So will every Auburn fan. But I do think they're getting an unfair reputation like Trey thinks the defense has improved and, and I think if you ask Trey his mind would be on the secondary but it's really all about creating pressure up front if if Corey any quarterback in the SEC will pick you apart or in the country if you don't get any pressure on them but how do you feel about this next weekend coming up and going forward about Auburn um Really, I'm, I I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm pretty much just up in the air. It kind of all depends on what Auburn team shows up. I mean, uh, with as many mistakes as they made against Mississippi State, they they still were in the game in the fourth quarter. 
But, I mean, they just made too many mistakes to overcome. But, uh, still, I mean, if they show up at Ole Miss playing like that, turning it over, making big mistakes like that, and getting into a big hole early, I don't know if they can overcome that. Uh, again, just like they couldn't do it at Mississippi State. And so, uh, I don't know. It was, uh, I, I was expecting a more dominant performance last night uh, coming off of a loss and a bye week. But, um, I mean, I have to say I was super impressed by the offense. I I feel good about Auburn's chances to score against anybody. It's just uh, we'll see what uh, Johnson's able to do uh, with the defense. Uh, you know, hopefully he's studying his game film on Ole Miss, uh, scheming to stop their attack. And uh, hopefully I'll get a better result uh, coming up in the following weeks. Well, well, Corey, man, thank you for the call, buddy. Call back in Wednesday night as we preview the Ole Miss game. Trey, we're going to move on real quick. Washington, Arizona State. Arizona State went on the road, took care of business, impressed me winning that game. Thoughts real quick on the Arizona State game. No, I, I, Kelly was back. I thought they'd play better, and, and they did. It was a, it was a good, good Arizona State win. Yeah, big win. I, I moved them up in my poll a little bit. I really liked this team. The next game, USC went on the road to Utah. Very good game. I did watch it from start to finish. Uh, Utah pulled it out at the end. But the funny thing is, Trey, Utah scored a touchdown on the same play Notre Dame scored on against Florida State that was ruled a penalty. Thought. Yeah, and you know, the guy with the old pick play shouldn't have. Uh, but it was uh, actually run a lot better than Notre Dame. If you, if you watched the play, it was run a lot. Just how you yeah. coach it, put it that way. Yeah, you're right. I mean, in the Notre Dame game, it was a lot different when he's, like, tackling the guy. <laughs> but um, but it yeah. is right the way it was. USC with three losses right now. I mean, this USC team, where do you go from here? You're 5-3. and three. I mean, this was the year they were supposed to win the Pac-12, according to some of these experts. I mean, I'm just not impressed with Southern Cal. No, and, and they're they're done. They'll make a bowl, but uh, they're this is it for them. I mean, they, they've clearly not taken the leap forward that everybody thought they did. And I look at their receivers, and and I really really think they need to throw the ball every possession. I mean, I mean that was that was terrible. They should they should throw. USC wouldn't be stopped if they're just throwing the ball. But real quick, at halftime, New Orleans up 19 to 16, or or 16 to 16. I apologize at the half. Green Bay, New Orleans, and Trey. The game of the night. Ole Miss went on the road to LSU. LSU pulled it out. It wasn't a a greatly played game, but you know you let a team hang around in the fourth quarter. They start believing they're more confident. LSU beat Florida on the road. They came back and destroyed Kentucky. It's like they're playing the their best football at the right time. They weren't playing very good when they played Mississippi State and Auburn, but they, they got some momentum going. They beat an Ole Miss team. I mean, we, we've already talked about Ole Miss. We don't think they're going to really make it much. But what about this LSU team? Are they capable of beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa? Are they capable of making some noise? Because you remember a couple weeks ago, I said LSU is going to be that team that's going to spoil some parties for some people towards the end of the season. It's already started. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. This LSU team has sort of got me a little bit um, chic in my head. I'm not really sure what to make of them. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of faith in them, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see how, how well they can do. Yeah, and and your your thoughts on the officials we talked about real quick, the officiating in, the, in some of these games. Is Auburn's reputation, what Corey said, is it because – 
their reputation is not having a great secondary. They're getting some of these flags. Why do you think it, that the, they're getting so many flags? Well, I think there's a lot of flags up all across the board. I don't, I don't necessarily buy into conspiracy theories on one team. I think a lot of teams are getting flagged the way they um, a lot of necessarily bad calls because the uh, you know the uh, officiating are being told to look for certain things and you're seeing a lot of in fact in the NFL as well a lot of a lot of holding a lot of pass interference calls uh, when in the past they weren't called I mean I think you see you're seeing some bad officiating this year across the board. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it is. I mean, it's it's terrible officiating, but. But what do you think about what I've said? It's like these coaches have to kiss the brass ring every weekend. They can't say anything. What would happen if, say, Gus Malzahn, Nick Saban, whoever, after a game in his post-game speech, just tore into the officials? Just, to, I mean, just really told the truth of how bad they sucked and how you wish you had Big 12 officials or something compared to these. What do you think the fine would be and the repercussions? Uh, yeah, I was on me. I, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't think it changes anything. But I mean, it would be a fine for sure. Yeah. Well, Trey, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Everybody, thanks for calling in and joining the show. I just I just want to see more consistency out there with these officials and accountability. Because when I'm an official and I screw up, I I mean, you you can be suspended. You can, you can. I mean, that hurts. That's really like being fine when you make money, and and that's just the pride thing. You, you're suspended. You're called out in public. You miss calls. You pay the consequences. These guys make great money, and and they should be doing a better job. And I, I'm conspiracy theory, okay, but I think there's an agenda out there, and I think these officials do what they're told to do. They make these weird calls, and they screw the momentum of the game up. When you notice the officials more than you notice the the game going on, there's a problem, and that's what I'm starting to notice with some of these games. But Wednesday night, we're going to do our best to have a show at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. It may be 9, but but come on in, join us, kick your shoes off. We're going to have a great week of college football coming up. So 8.30 p.m. Eastern Wednesday night, go to blocktalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino. Go to Twitter at Sports. And go to Facebook. We have a page as well. Get in our discussion group. So we have a lot of fun on this show. The committee, remember, comes out Tuesday with their initial polls. I'm just interested to see, you know, who's going to be in there and not. But like Sonia said, it really doesn't matter right now. There's a ton of games to be played, but I'm still interested to see the mindset of these guys. But have a great week, everybody. We're going to be wrapping up the last week of October. I mean, this is insane how quick this football season is going by but we're going to have some fun on this show everybody have a great week and god bless i don't know what it is but it's a religion in in this area of the south football makes everything go